The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and welcome to The Money Podcast. So this is a bit of a different episode. It's about the emotion and the judgment of money, the judgment of people with lots of money, millionaires and more, and how they should use their money, and what people project that they would do were they in positions of wealth and millions. Now, I have to tell you a bit of a story that you may have heard if you're a follower of mine, but this episode is putting it into a a bit of a different context. So history is that for two years, uh, my sister has been struggling with a, a kidney issue. It's got worse and worse and worse. And to the point where, is she gonna have the kidney out? Can they keep the kidney in? Is she gonna have the kidney out? Can they keep the kidney in? The kidney's given her infection after infection after infection. We should take the kidney out. Oh, we can keep it in. And this kept dragging on and dragging on and dragging on. And one doctor would say, take it out. Another doctor would say, take it in. Then it got so bad and decreased in size significantly that the other kidney inflamed uh, as a way of overcompensating, I guess. And Finally, an operation is booked in on the NHS. Then it's postponed back. Then it's postponed back. And uh, my sister's getting worse and worse. She's getting um, more and more overweight. She can't even lay down. So she has to sleep on the sofa. She has to go to the toilet every hour. She can't mother her children properly. And the, the straw that broke the camel's back was that she was uh, due to have her operation, uh, and then it was put back six months by the NHS. It was deemed that as it was not um, cancerous, despite the fact that it, it was kind of an emergency operation, it had to be put back six months. So my sister was at her wits end. So she set up a GoFundMe page to raise 15,000 pound needed for a private operation. Now, my sister could have asked me for the money to pay for the operation. Had she asked me for the money to pay for the operation, were it chronic, I'd have paid for it. Were it not chronic, I wouldn't have paid for it. Now, you need some context here because um, what's about, what I'm about to tell you, I've been judged for by a fraternity of fraternity of people quite significantly on social media. So my sister has always worked for my parents in pubs and bars and hotels and restaurants. And she's also worked for me. And over the years, she's 39 now, over the years, her income dependency has been on her family, which by the way, happened to me too between the age of 18 and 25 when I worked for my parents. Now, the downside of being dependent on your family for money, whether you're working for it or not, 
is a dependency on family for money. And what that can do over the years is strain relationships within the family. Now the person, whether it were me aged 18 to 25, I finally then set up on my own, age 26, was one of the best things I ever did. Um, But over those years, all the way from teenagers, going through school and university, etc., one becomes utterly dependent on the money from family. One does not have any other skills, strategies or ideas to go and earn their own money independently. So you become dependent, maybe a little bit needy, and the only way you know how to raise any money is either ask family or work for family, but still dependent on family money. Now, as I set myself free from that, and and actually it was a a significantly painful event for me that happened, otherwise I may have been relying on family money forever. Not judging anyone here, by the way, just explaining. But I knew in my heart that relying on family money was a trap. And I felt weak and vulnerable and dependent and needy and stuck and juvenile and young. And it was just, you know, when you're you're nine and 10 years old and you ask for um, pocket money, okay. But, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s and nearly 40s, that can have quite a lot of embarrassment, of shame, of over-dependency, of feeling weak and vulnerable and exposed. So the best thing really that happened in my professional life was going out and earning my own money. And it was hard for, you know, a little while. And I didn't really know where the money was going to come from. And I took some risks and I, made, I got into more debt before I got out of debt. But that was relatively short term. It's like you plant a seed, you've got to grow the roots before you see the, the shoots and the fruits. So there's a bit of history in the family there. And I know my sister won't mind saying because she's she said it herself, but she had that dependency on the family for work or for asking for money. And she made a conscious decision aged 39 ish when her health was at its worst stage ever that she was going to do this on her own. She wasn't going to ask anyone for any money. She's got two brothers that would, would have paid for the operation. She didn't ask. Her parents would have paid for the operation and probably put themselves in a lot of debt. She didn't ask. She didn't ask her husband. She set up a GoFundMe page. She put it on social media and she went for the raise herself. And I was really proud of her, really proud. And of course, I'm, I'm watching this, you know, knowing that at any point, if things get bad, I can step in. Now, um, I knew the situation was getting worse, but I didn't know it was chronic until I saw the GoFundMe page because I didn't know that my sister had had her operation delayed six months. Now, there's the physical chronic nature, but there's also the emotional chronic nature and that I can't take this anymore. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I feel like I'm you know, getting punched and kicked and sometimes people can give up mentally and emotionally. And, and, and I was, you know, I think that my sister got to that point. Now, 
For someone to set up a GoFundMe page and publicize the fact that their health is really bad and they're at wit's end and they don't know what else to do and they're, they're pleading people for money, that is, that can be for a lot of people quite a shameful experience. Asking for money for a lot of people is hard, even if it's to save your life. And there can be dignity and pride that people have around not wanting to ask for money. Now, I see that in a balanced view. On the one hand, I think it's good to be independent and self-sufficient and use your own resourcefulness and talents uh, and, and go out there and you know, create um, value and offers and products and services and um, enterprise and ventures and you know, really use the capital system for good. But on the other hand, this fear of being weak and vulnerable and needy and reliant on others, I, I can see why that's scary for people. Now, since this event happened where I then went and publicised on my social media um, to raise the money, lots of people have come to me and said, Rob, my dignity was really important to me when I was going through struggles and health issues uh, and I wouldn't have wanted to go and ask people for money. I wanted to do this on my own. So what happened was I posted on my Facebook profile, then my Facebook page, and then in a couple of WhatsApp groups. And my sister had pushed and pushed and pushed this for a couple of days and it had got to maybe, what, 2,000 something pounds. And it was my son's birthday uh, and my um, sister and her children and husband were coming over for a family day. Uh, and I just went into my bedroom and I just said, look, this is really freaking urgent. I've only done this once uh, and uh, one other time in the you know, 10 years of being on Facebook. Uh, and I said to people, look, my sister's in a chronic condition. Her operation's just been put back six months. Read this GoFundMe page. Please, if you can donate anything, donate. And if you could share, please share because you know, this is really serious and she's done this off her own back and she just needs some help and support. And I wanted to use my social media following and profile and platform for good, you know, for the, the good of humanity. Obviously it's my sister, but still, now, I've done this before once, and actually a school friend's son, uh, really bad a brain injury, uh, and he needed to get him back from Zambia to the UK urgently for an urgent operation. It was life-threatening. And I went on my Facebook page, um, and I, I, he needed 10,000, he, he was at about 2,000, and we got the rest in less than a day. And that made me, made me feel amazing. Now, people are always saying, success and business and wealth is not about the money. It's about what you do with the money, how you use the money. It's about helping others. Surely that is the greatest gift we could do with money, to save someone's life. So I put the GoFundMe page out. Um, a few of my really good contacts were donating 1,000 each, 500 each. And in 20 hours, we raised another 15 grand and we went from two grand to 17 odd grand. Bang, job done, got the money. My sister, um, the next day, books our operation. It's in three weeks time. It was the most beautiful experience. I rarely sit and breathe in my success and my results and my achievements. It's just not really in my nature. I'm quite critical of myself. Even when we achieve something good, I'm still looking at the problems that are there. I can't really pat myself on the back. There's always more that needs to be done. It's never finished. I'm not sure if I'm ever quite gonna be good enough. And I've learned to deal with that because that has upsides as well as downsides, but 
I sat in the car on the way back from London, a, a speech, and I just, I, I, I'd just been on stage, I came off, I checked the GoFundMe page, it hit the target, and I just felt so grateful. I felt amazing. And it, it, five minutes of breathing this in and my sister phones up and she bawls her eyes out in tears of joy and relief, tells me how she can finally get her life on track, she can lose some weight, she can be a mum, there's a bit of extra money so she can get rid of her overdraft, she's booking her operation in, this has completely changed her life, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, she thought she was doomed, she thought this was it and it was a, it was a really beautiful moment and I really enjoyed it and I was breathing it in. And then I had a bit of spare time in the car on the way back from London. And so I went onto social media, <laughs> the upsides and downsides of social media. And someone had um, gone on a, a public campaign um, criticizing me, basically saying, uh, I'm a millionaire. I should have paid for the operation. Even though my sister didn't want me to, I should have paid for it because I'm a millionaire and I'm a property training guru and I've got the money and I should have gone against my sister's wishes because, you know, her life was, um, it, it was life-threatening. I should have just gone against her wishes and paid for the operation. I shouldn't have done a charity raise. I've got the money myself. Disgusting. You are disgusting. I am disgusted. And then went and posted it in all these irrelevant groups, even though this was only on my page. Um, and, and was, you know, just trying to draw out all this criticism. And then a few other critics got it and said that I should have paid for it myself. And now me talking about it means, I, means I'm needy and maybe I'm on the verge of a breakdown. Um, yeah, so this actually built a bit of a head of steam. Of course, this was four people and there were probably 300 messages, 400, 500 messages of support and what a great thing we did. Now, I think this is an amazing case study about money because does it really matter where the money comes from when it's an operation to save someone's life? Like, let's say a criminal would have offered my sister the money. Should she have taken it or not? Because that money may have been made in, in illicit means. Now, Mother Teresa, if you study her, she saw herself almost as a launderer and a cleaner of money. She would take money from, quite happily, by the way, take money from people who, I think she took quite a lot of money from Robert Maxwell, who, you know, I guess some of his history was a bit checkered. Uh, and she would happily take money from capitalists who she deemed had made the money, maybe in not the cleanest way, so she could clean the money, and almost like the Robin Hood of raising money for charity. And so it really got me thinking, I was very much misunderstood. A few of these critics thought they would use this as a, as a way to find some cracks to open up in me. They didn't really realize I was just using this as good energy, as good um, case study to educate people to, you know, let's be honest. If you're going to get criticized for raising 17,000 pounds on your social media profiles and using your social media profiles to virtually save someone's life, then you're gonna get criticized for anything that you do. So especially when it comes to money, and especially in the UK, anything you do with money, and any way you raise money, you are going to get judged and criticized. You buy a nice car, you're gonna get um, criticized for being greedy and flashy and using money badly. 
you give money to charity and you're going to be accused of using that as a marketing angle to elevate yourself and brag about your um, philanthropy. It really doesn't matter what you do when it comes to money, someone will judge you. And I've always known this and I've told many of my followers over the years that you're going to get judged and you're going to get criticised for who you are and what you do, so you may as well be yourself and you may as well do what you believe is right in your heart. Now, I knew this was right in my heart. And you know what? If my sister was on death's door, I'd have given her the money. But I'd have known the consequence of giving her the money because I would have added to the reliance on me. And when does, when does she get set free? Well, you know, because if my sister and me when I was 18 to 25, if we know there is no option to go to our family, we go and get a job outside of our family. We go and set up our own business. We go and do our own, own GoFundMe page. We get resourceful. We, the skills and the talents that are latent within us that we don't use because we rely on gifts and family, they all of a sudden come to the fore. And when needs must, we do it. Now, okay, I, through my network, helped my sister raise 15 of the 17,000, but she set up the GoFundMe page. She didn't tell me, um, she did WhatsApp it to me and just said, hey, look, here it is. But she, she wasn't you know, pushing me to do anything. She did it herself. And she used social media as a way to crowdfund the money she needed to, you know, saw her health, her serious health out. For me, that's very entrepreneurial. That's massive progress. That's, that's something I would not have known how to do when I was 25. I'd have just gone to mum or dad. And that's something maybe a few years ago my sister wouldn't have known how to do. She'd have just gone to me. And, you know, my, my sister and I have got a little bit of history where money between us, us has become a little bit of an issue. You know, if she, if she maybe wants some money from me and I feel a bit awkward about it because I want to help her be resourceful. I, I feel like I, the, the value I've got for my sister is not the money. It's the fact that I've written Money, the best-selling book on money in the UK. The fact that I have a money podcast that she could listen to all of these and learn about money and be inspired to set up her own business. Oh, and by the way, in the last few weeks, because she actually used to work for me and now she doesn't, she's got her own e-commerce business. She's selling clothing online. She may have had her best month ever selling clothing online while she sat on the sofa with this really uh, bad kidney problem. So she's now an entrepreneur. She's resourceful. Her self-worth is going up. Her feeling of, of value, the shame is going down. The embarrassment is going down. The weakness and the vulnerability is going down. By the way, I'm running around my <laughs> um, living room talking to you at the moment, throwing my hands everywhere everywhere. So this is really great positive steps. And then someone, basically someone hates what I represent because I'm a millionaire, because, you know, I, I, I comment about all this stuff on social media because people deem me to be something based on their own triggers, based on their own hurt and their own rejection, and they go and criticise me for it. They don't ask me about, oh, Rob, just before I make a comment on this, can you give me the context of what happened here? I understood you raised some money. Did you talk to your sister about it? What was the situation and the history that, that um, preceded it? I'd like to just get all the facts before I make my own comment. These critics did not do that. They judged me and they don't know me, but they didn't judge me because they don't know me. They judge what they believe I represent, but what they believe I represent is based on their own fears and hurt and upbringing and judgments and stereotypes. And for me, I really, one of the biggest things on this planet, I'd love to change. You know, on my podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, when I say to guests, what's one thing on the planet that you think is wrong that you'd love to see changed? I would love to see people stop judging and start asking. 
Stop judging people when you don't know the facts. Ask them for the situation and the context. And then once you know them and you know the context and the situation, then you make the judgment. You don't know what a multimillionaire went through. You don't know how hard their life was. You don't know in what debt they were in. You don't know what their product and services and the the good that they do for people and the help and the philanthropy and the free speeches and the free mentoring. You have no idea. I say you as in not you listening, but you know, you plural. So this is a fascinating case study around money. You will be judged no matter what you do with your money. So I say you do with your money what you believe to be the right thing to do with your money. Now, of course, I can say it's good to give some to charity and it's good to invest some into assets and it's good to, um, you know, do good with your money. But it's up to you. If you buy a Lamborghini Aventador, then all those artists on the factory line in Lamborghini, hand building your Lamborghini, they're having their mortgage paid and they're putting food on their table and they're able to create their art. If you buy a Patek Philippe, how much art and creativity and innovation and passion has gone into that Patek Philippe? I'm not going to judge how you use your money. I'm just going to say to you, if you take the judgment out of money and the judgment out of how other people earn their money and you see money as a force for good, because if money is the root of all evil, it has to be the root of all good. Now, by the way, I know that that's not the actual quote. The love of money is the root of all evil. But if if all evil comes from the root of the love of money, all good has to come from money too. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, all these billionaires giving all their money away. I think Chuck Feeney's giving it all away. I think Bill Bartman's giving a load of it away. All these, you know, the irony of these critics is none of them donated. Not that I saw anyway. There were a few anonymous. Um, someone said to me, oh, Rob, you didn't even donate. There. All I'm going to say is there were plenty of anon- anonymous donations. You know now what, you now know why I chose to either not donate or donate anonymously because of the context and the situation and my sister's confidence and pride and you know, her growth as an individual and a human being. And someone said, well, it doesn't really how you get, how you get the money, you get the money, you get the money, you needed the money, she needed the money. So there you go, she needed the money. Um, so yeah, fascinating case study. I don't really have like, a, okay, so here are 10 steps on what you do with this. Other than, I suppose, to summarise, one, no matter what you do, you will be judged. People will hate about you, the very thing that is great about you. Even when you raise money to save someone's life on social media and use social media for good, people will judge you. Now, here's the thing. A few people, even my fans, my followers said, Rob, I must admit, at first I thought, why don't you just donate the money? Hmm. I I, I thought you should because they're judging that I should give the money because I'm a millionaire. But they didn't know the context of the situation as to why it was more important for me not to. So they're going to judge what you do with your money. Hmm. And and a lot of people are really worried about this. They're worried about people thinking that they're changed, that they're going to become greedy, that, you know, they're they're not a good person because they've got all this money. Uh, And so therefore they self-sabotage unconsciously and they push money away from them. I know people who have got all this fear and guilt and embarrassment and shame around money and how they'll be judged. When they get money, they just give it away. They spend it frivolously. They just can't hold on to it. So for me, earning money is a sign of growth and progress. If I'm earning money, my business must be doing good. Therefore, it must be creating good value. Uh, And if I can inspire others by having money and being successful and using it wisely, and by the way, if there's a virus or a recession, you need money, otherwise you're going bust. So you need liquidity, you need cash uh, just to survive, just to make, you know, what if everyone was quarantined for six months? No one could leave the house. So if you don't have a load of money, you cannot sustain your mortgage payments if you can't go out to work. So anyway, fascinating case study on money. I'd love to know what you think about this, by the way. I'd love to keep the conversation going. 
Uh, you know, I've been accused, oh, Rob, you're just uh, talking about this story to get attention. Surely that's what social media is. If you don't get attention for your business, you don't get leads and you don't get business. So uh, the, my critics have given me a great gift here because they've given me more content. I, I could have just done their charity raise and everyone's like, yeah, well done, Rob, that's nice. And, you know, my sister sorted. But no, we've a great debate, a great discussion, some criticism and some, you know, some more education for me. And, and yeah, you use social media to get attention for your business and your brand, the gateway to your shop. Whatever your product and service is, if you get attention on social media, you're winning the game. You're getting business that your competitors are not. And if you don't use social media for attention, then that is probably the best marketing vehicle other than maybe pay-per-click ads that's ever been created that you're not leveraging. So yeah, there's often a lot of truth in what the critics say and, and they see it as a, a problem or an issue or something that's wrong. And I'm like, yeah, well, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. So go out there, make money freely. Use it as a force for good. Know that when you're making money, you are growing, progressing. Your services must be of good value. Of course, you need to make sure that you're taking feedback, improving your product and service. You're not overselling. That, that should go without say, saying. Um, now, I've never known anyone with a really shit car that inspires a load of kids. The kids go wild and crazy over the nice cars, the fast cars. The kids look at those cars and go, oh, I want a car like that one day. I went to the gym recently, I pulled up in my Lamborghini. It's not something I often do, but it was a nice day. Um, I don't drive the car very much. I parked it up and one guy knocked on the door. I wound down the window, he's like, mate, lovely car, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm in property. And he's like, oh man, I wanna get into property. Um, I'm a builder by trade. Um, how, how, do you, what, how did you get this car? You know, how did you make money in property? Um, and we started discussing and he was asking me good questions. I was giving him some tips. And then he said, look, where, you know, where can I find out more about what you do online? And I said, well, look, you know, here's my name. Go research. You can find my books and podcasts. And he is out there now reading books, educating himself. He said him and his uh, miss, missus, he said missus, him and his wife, girlfriend, just bought a small house, but they want to buy more properties. And he was inspired. And I think that's a great thing. And I'm inspired by you. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in to The Money Podcast. Um, and if you join the Disruptive Entrepreneur Facebook group, Disruptive Entrepreneur on Facebook, uh, then we can carry on this discussion. You can give me your thoughts. And by the way, there's about 19, just under 19,000 of my followers there that you can engage with, connect with, maybe do some business with and network with. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.